CITR 101.9 FM. I didn't realize my mic is all wonky in size. We have Jeffrey Brown on the line here. Um, Hello, Jeffrey. Yeah. Hey there. So it's, uh, you're speaking with me, Mr. Robin, and uh, Colin Upton here. Hello. Hi. How are you doing today? I'm pretty good. Cool. Well, thank you for taking the time to uh, speak with us and uh, chat about comics and stuff. I have a plethora of your work here. A whole stack of it. Um, specifically, um, I think we're going to yak about the mom maybe, and then uh, some of your newer stuff. Okay. Um, first off, uh, how'd you get into uh, doing uh, the autobiographical comics? Because that seems to be the well, uh, the primary part of your work. Uh, um, that that mostly came about um, kind of a, as a response to art school, actually. Um, for most of my work before I started doing comics was just kind of weird, uh, surreal, and abstract painting, and then my sketchbooks had a lot of like gag cartooning and, and things. Um, and I'd started to do a, a few like really short autobiographical like like you know like one page kind of things in my sketchbooks um, while I was at art school and um, I had a particularly kind of harsh critique from some faculty about my paintings 
and uh, at the at the time, I you know I wasn't particularly happy with my paintings anyway, and so it just kind of reinforced those feelings. Um, and then at the same time, I was also kind of just disenchanted with a lot of the art <laughs> at art school. Um, just a lot of like really esoteric, like conceptual work, where it's just people who their their work consisted of decorating their studio as a comment about studios <laughs> and neo-american fascism or something like that yeah like we're just you know like um like if your painting's about painting it's just it just becomes so self-referential that it just stops referring to anything in the real world wow sounds a lot like my art school <laughs> I think it's I think it's a, like a lot of art schools actually, um, yeah. So so I just decided to do the extreme opposite of of anything conceptual and um, thought I would write about something personal and just make it as completely honest and real as possible. Um, That's a pretty big switch from uh, painting to uh, minimal autobiographical work. I don't know if it's minimal the right term to use as, as far as your like your comic art style. Sure. Um, yeah. I mean the, the the art style. Well, that was a, also I mean kind of sprung out of art school where there's there's so much emphasis on technique and um, and also on just your you know your ability to do things with the medium and um, it's another way that. I think artists lose track of content, and I've I've always been more interested in art um, for the content than for you know any kind of virtuosity with paint or um, or whatever medium you're using. So um, I decided to to try and draw like like when I was a kid and try and get back to. Well, for one thing, just to, to make drawing fun and also to kind of get to the essence of what I was trying to express. So by, by simplifying things to, to the extreme, then you end up with um, a more direct and immediate kind of connection with someone looking at your art. So did your comics evolve out of your sketchbooks? Yeah, yeah, it was kind of, I mean, it was actually, well, uh, just, yeah, I mean, basically, I, it was basically kind of, uh, I guess, I just stopped painting and then just made my sketchbooks um, the main focus of my work, and um, so, like, like all my, most of my comics I've drawn uh, in sketchbooks, actually. But you so, like, the, the original, like, Clumsy was my first book, and the original artwork for that is just a single sketchbook. Wow. So you, you haven't gone back and redrawn them for, pub, for, for uh, publication? You just go with the original drawing from the sketchbook? Yeah, yeah. Is it still work that way? Um, for the most part, yeah. There's, there's a few things, like, um, uh, the story, my, my story for the most recent moment, well, not the most recent moment, the one that's coming out next um, is drawn on, like, individual sheets of Bristol, and then there's a few projects here and there, but I kind of like the idea of, like, having one book containing, like, all the original art for the book. Is that something for yourself, like, you'd like to maintain the original? Some people are, like, pretty, like, to hold on to, and other, others just, just kind of purge and stuff. Um, it's not so much, yeah, it's not, I, I mean, I would sell them, but uh, the problem is they're all like 200 pages. <laughs> so, you have to pull a crumb and go and trade it for a house in France. Yeah, I, I don't know that there's that much demand for my work at this point, um, but someday, perhaps. Um, yeah, no, it's. I think it's more just like, I, I've, like my, I grew up in a house where both my parents were huge bibliophile so we just have books and books everywhere and um i've always liked books a lot and just like the physical the physical object of a book and also in terms of just 
how I like to draw. I like to. There's something about drawing in a sketchbook that's. I I enjoy much more than drawing, on like loose sheets of paper. Do you find it's more of an organic process of like being able to just let it flow, in that kind of Jack Kerouac style, just putting out the comic instead of like having to like put yourself into a routine of sitting at a table. With yeah, that I paper? mean, uh, like I'll like. I, I mean, sometimes it annoys my girlfriend, but I'll, I'll draw at restaurants if there's a chance, or like waiting somewhere, wherever that might be, like um, waiting for a train or on the train, or just um, whenever I have a free moment. So I, I just have like a bag that I just carry whatever sketchbook, whatever project I'm working on. Um, so it's much much easier to get more work done because I can I'm not tied to just a studio where I where I you know have and I also like to work really small for some reason. Is it the uh, are the reprints pretty much a reflection of the actual size? Um, yeah, yeah, for the most part. I think like like um actually now I'm getting to the point where. I'm drawing stuff smaller than the print size. Oh wow! <laughs> so, so I, I don't I don't know if I can draw much smaller um, unless I find and and the lettering too. Depends. What's that? And the lettering too. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so like like I mean, unlikely is is about the same size. Clumsy's drawn a little smaller. Um, the mom stuff is actually all all drawn a little smaller. So. Now you start now. I'm just trying to like get a good idea of the chronological kind of format of your stuff. It started out. Your first stuff was the Big Head mini comics. Um, actually, uh, Big Head. Well, I, I the original Big Heads I drew back in high school, um, but they aren't. Um, other than the the like the one like issue where it's all like splash pages, mm-hmm. in the book. That's one of the like the. the the first one I drew back in high school, and everything else was was redrawn. Um, I was actually drawing that the same time I was drawing Unlikely, um, just as as kind of a foil to like this heavy kind of emotional autobiographical stuff. And then I, at the same time, I could get away from that and uh, draw just something goofy and fun for myself. And that that kind of takes me to be a man. Um, is that kind of like your, okay, you know, I'm just going to have fun after that intense experience? Yeah, well, that, yeah, I mean, that was just, I, I do a lot of comics where it's just like I'm just going to have fun. Actually, clum, I mean, Clumsy wasn't really as intense. Um, that was more just fun also. Um, but I think just because there's a breakup at the end, people tend to read it as more serious and emotionally di- like distraught or something, um, but Be a Man was just kind of a joke, just to amuse myself because people were interpreting clumsy as like where I was just too sensitive. And there's actually a few reviews or or whatever that where people said that I needed to be more of a man. So it was just kind of my response <laughs> as questioning, you know, like what exactly that would mean, like what I was should have done differently to. To be more manly. You, so. you should. They meant you should be more manly in your comics or in your real life. Well, um, I, <laughs> it's, it's a it's a blurry line, <laughs> I guess. A lot of a lot of people seem to um, review when they review the autobiographical stuff. Seem to latch, or actually, there's even a review of Be a Man where there's a, like someone who is obviously very angry about. About my act, my like how I behaved in that book, even though it's like not real. And so they gave it like this like horrible review, and like people read clumsy and like kind of like review the characters more than the work itself sometimes. But I I I think of that as like that I've just made successful work um, because people are getting really involved in the story, so. Mm-hmm. Um, 
uh, on an odd side note with Be a Man, um, I think it came out around Valentine's and the comic store I go to, the, the girl that was working there was pushing it on people to give as Valentine's gifts. Um, okay. <laughs> it's I, an odd little story. I don't, I don't care how they market it. Um, it's, it's getting marketed, yeah. nonetheless. I, it does seem like an odd choice, though. She's an odd girl. She, maybe she just got dumped. <laughs> we're I, I we, we're never quite sure. Yeah. No. It's, I don't know. It's, it's the comic it's, store lifestyle. Yeah. Um, so humor humor's a big part of like kind of like it's a balance between um seriousness and humor. Um you also seem to me like the anthology king. So, sometimes I feel a little bit like that, yeah. I was uh, going through and looking through some of the stuff I have at home as far as anthologies. Um, you're in the Moam. You're in the uh, McSweeney's Quarterly. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, uh, what else? The Kramer's Ergot. Yeah. I think you're in the, what, volume four, was it? Yeah. The one with the crayon cover. Right. Never understood that cover. Um, and then the Spark Generators 2, um, where you talk about your influences. Um, the Mr. Klaus saying it's a big influence on your stuff and like uh you're talking about uh when you're younger you're into the superheroes stuff yeah. and do you still find that you tap into that for for some kind of stuff do you still read some superhero or is it just all alternative now um mostly i, I just read alternative there's some some i think when i do read superhero stuff a lot of it's just for nostalgia um i just uh i like i like, I guess, I don't know if you really consider it a, a superhero comic, but I still read Hellboy. And once in a while, there'll be, like, some superhero-type thing that someone points me toward that I'll read, but I, I don't really seek it out. Um, I think just in, just in terms of the work that's most interesting to me, it's just um, the alternative independent stuff is is just much more interesting um Mm -hmm. when it and and just i think i guess just work in general um when it's not tied to genre uh is more interesting like i i I mean i I can't say that i'm really interested in any western (laughs) comics or um like i don't really like sci-fi or fantasy comics, there's nothing I'm really interested in. Yeah, so I can understand that. Um, now, I forgot to mention I'm supposed to mention music on when I play music. I played Broken Broken Social Scene. Um, any reason in particular? That was one of the picks for the bands. I, I'll tell you what I pulled out to play. I pulled yep. out Broken Social Scene, the You Forgotten People album. Mm-hmm. Um, Low, the Great Destroyer, mm-hmm. uh, Destroyers, Rubies. And uh, Nico Case's um, latest album, The Fox Confessor Brings the Flood. Yeah. Um, music a big thing for you? Yeah, music is, is huge for me. Um, like, a, comics, I guess, would, would probably be the most, like, immediately obvious influence on me working as an artist because it's, that's the medium that I'm working in. But just in terms of, like, inspiration, I think, like... The, the point of any art is to express um, ideas and feelings. And so, um, and I'm, I'm, I lean towards more of the feeling side of things and like just kind of trying to get at um, what it's like to, to be human. So for me, like music is something that taps into that like pretty immediately. Mm-hmm. And, um, just like when you when you hear music that's just not only good on the level of of just technically good where you like listening to it, but then when you add in like meaningful lyrics and um, when it becomes like a like a whole package, uh, like a, a, that inspires me to like want to make art that can do that the same way. So like I, I would hope that like my like the way like a song can can really nail down a a very specific feeling about something like like whatever that may be 
but like I hope my comics can can do that also. Well, I can I, I can see some relation, especially to um, between the comics and like with artists like Destroyer, um, where there's a certain amount of subduedness to it. Yeah. Um, now, is there any particular tracks off um, any of these albums you'd like to hear? Because I think a, it's about a little quick little break time here. About um, twenty-five past two. Sure. Um, just because it's the first thing that's coming to my mind right now. Um, maybe um, when I go deaf off of the Great Destroyer. Okay. Oh, let's see what track number that is. Now I have to count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Alrighty, so I'm gonna play that, and uh, I'll be putting you on hold, um, okay. and then come right back to you. Okay. Great. So CITR 101.9 FM. This is Low off the Great Destroyer album. When I go deaf.
CITR 101.9 FM. That was low off the Great Destroyer album When I Go Death. And wow, that rocks out partway into it, eh? <laughs> Just gives her. Um, we have some more questions for you. Um, my first question for these, this part, it's about 2.30 now, in case anyone's listening, CITR 101.9 Vancouver. Yada, yada, yada. Um, Hollywood Money in the new MoM. Yeah. Did that experience uh, turn you off of uh, Hollywood comic book dumb? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Um, I, I'm still interested in doing film. I just think that, um, for one thing, just the legalities involved in terms of rights um, to a book, it's just uh, way more complicated than I would have thought. And um, and then just in terms of like any contract, uh, I've learned that there's a lot more going on than like I would have ever expected. It's all very complicated and um, kind of not worth the time um, unless it's something you really really want to do. And uh, I think just at this point, um, I'm less interested in turning my comics into movies just because they're they do what they do as comics and um, unless a movie could really do something different um, it would just be a little redundant now the work that you're uh, doing for mom um, is it stuff you're doing specifically for mom like you're thinking this okay this could be a story for mom or is it just kind of like you're pulling stuff out of like a whole array of stuff in your sketchbooks um for for that issue those two uh, stories um, those were just older stories that um, I just had done and uh, everything else I'm doing for Moam has been specifically for it uh, you're going to be an ongoing contributor to the Moam series as it keeps going um, yeah for, for the, the foreseeable future yeah um no, I've quite, I quite enjoyed the, the Moam series, actually. It's a pretty neat um, opportunity for a lot of different stuff. Um, and in there is also Paul Hornsheimer. Did I pronounce it properly? Horns, Hornsmeyer. Hornsmeyer. And yeah. you and he are part of this thing, the Holy Consumption? Yeah. I'm, how did this start out, and what is the Holy Consumption? Well, the Holy Consumption um, is, was, it was Paul's idea, um, and this was back... Uh, right after I had self-published the first volume of Clumsy and Paul had been self-publishing for a while um, and we had become friends um, and he was already friends with Anders Nilsson who's also in Malm um, and Anders had been self-publishing his uh, Big Question series for a while Um, and then there's another cartoonist, uh, John Hankowitz and he had been self-publishing his mini-comics for, for years. So Paul had this idea. Um, we were all friends of his, and he really liked all of our work. And none of us um, really had, like, a, a website to, to sell our work on. Um, and so he had this idea of making this website where we could sell our work and then also showcase it so that people who wanted to who had maybe heard about us somewhere and wanted to, to look us up and see what we're about could, could do that or um, or people could just stumble across us and discover our work so. and kind of like spread the love among friends so if someone right, comes to check right. you out they'll check out Paul or one of the other yeah. creators that's, that's kind of neat we have kind of similar things in Vancouver different kind of collectives of comic artists to kind of work together, just kind of cross-promote and stuff. And actually, yeah. you're in an anthology of one of those guys. Uh, Ed Brisson put together the You Ain't No Dancer anthology. Yeah. And you've got the uh, the Meeting God story. Right. It's quite different from the rest of your stuff. Yeah. Um, I And I think, like, the actually, the, the next issue of Moam, the story in there is, I think, vastly different from, from anything I've done. Um, I think... I, I'm still working on uh, like autobiographical stuff, although 
much less about relationships. But um, I, I, I think I'm, my interests are, are extend far beyond that, and um, I'm starting to tap into that a little more. Which is actually, it's it's more stuff that maybe was present in my sketchbooks previously, and then. Um, when I started doing the autobiography, there was kind of like this period where I was just kind of pouring that all out, and um, now I feel like I've kind of you've let it go. I'm, I'm ready to to move on and explore different different things. So, well, I, I was also wondering your autobiograph autobiographical work about relationships, which is very personal. Um, I was just wondering, uh, what would, did you find it difficult at all doing autobiographical work? Did it affect your relationships with people? Um, it, it hasn't so far. Um, I mean, because people got to know when they talk to you, or you know, uh, that that there's a chance that. Yeah, well, I guess I mean, well, actually, I guess I, I just lied. I guess it has affected. I mean, um, in a, in a way, I. Or maybe my relationships have affected my work. You know. um, like my my girlfriend and I have have a I have a no a no writing about her policy uh-huh. in place. That's probably um, a, a good thing if you read Joe Matt's yeah, work. Yeah, which is which is fine because I don't I, I feel like I don't I don't really I'm not really interested in writing about our relationship. So, or or maybe we're just um, happier. So. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, interesting things to write about. No, that's not true. There's lots of interesting things. Um, but you but want to I, keep I it feel, to yourself. I just feel like you know, I've I've written about that, so it's a, it's easy for me to say that. But then, um, you know, once in a while, someone will say, you know, like I, I guess they're my my dad's always asking me when when I'm going to put him in a book, <laughs> which <laughs> which seems seems a little odd. Um, <laughs> but. Um, uh, He's waiting for that, uh, and I, th- I think maybe there's some people that that would. Uh, I, I am very careful about what I write about, and so I don't I don't want to encourage people to just do or say things around me, just so that I'll write about them. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, I don't I don't want to really like consciously censor myself from doing or saying things because like I, I just try to keep things separate um, one of the ways is I just I usually don't write about anything until a little while after it's happened so there's usually a certain amount of distance and removal from but, the events but sometimes you write about relationships that have lasted for months how can you possibly remember all that um well, like, um, I, I guess the, the one way is, um, and it's hard to do now because I keep less rigorous um, sketchbooks in that way, but I, I used to, to my, I was very, um, very deliberate in terms of dating my sketchbooks, and um, I used to spend less time, like, drawing actual comics and more time just kind of drawing and writing whatever came to mind in my sketchbooks and um, they act as kind of a weird memory device where I could go back and look through the sketchbooks and see what I was drawing on particular times and kind of jog my memory that way mm-hmm. so um, like with Unlikely is probably the most um, the most involved in terms of that process and I spent actually about like four months just writing a script for that and trying to dig through my memory and remember everything. But the other the other thing I do is is I I just write what I remember. So it's not that I'm have this particularly great memory. Um, I'm sure there's plenty that I'm forgetting. I'm just focusing on what I remember because I think that somehow that's inherently important because I'm remembering it. 
One uh, one question in specific uh, from one of our uh, local cartoonists wanted me to ask you was um, just he, he mentioned that uh, the story McSween's had a big influence on him making some personal decisions, um, and he had, his question was, um, what kind of response uh, have you gotten from um, some of the females f from the stories? Well, um, for the most part. Uh well, like the the girl in McSweeney's was was okay with it. Um, she had actually dated the cartoonist before, who wrote about her. So um, she didn't really have a problem. <laughs> um, but then other some of the other girls, I I don't even know because uh, we're not talking. So um, I think for the most part, I I try to be. Um, at least a little self-deprecating, so that it's never it's never a case where I'm going out to make someone look bad. Mm -hmm. And I try to be fair to the events and things. And um, so, in that sense, I, I think for the most part, um, the girls maybe aren't so, so upset about what I've said, but um, I also don't, I can't say for certain that, that they aren't a little annoyed, maybe by having these whole books about them. We'll leave it as, uh, as one of the great mysteries. Yeah, that's, um, now, I, I guess I would, I'll hear about it at some point if they're, they're really, really upset. There'll be a mini-comic about you somewhere. Someone's sure. done in revenge or something. That, that's know. why you should never date, a cartoonist should never date a cartoonist. Um, so, influences and such, what are some of your big influences? Um, now, Daniel Klaus was an obvious one from the Spark Generators one. I don't know if that's a story a lot of people have read. It's a pretty, I don't know, obscure anthology? Yeah, I think so. Um, but what, what are some of your, your, your influences in the transition from being into, you know, superhero stuff to being into more underground alternative work? Um, kind of, I guess, kind of the standards of alternative comics. Chris Ware um, was a big influence. It was actually, I, um, right before I moved to Chicago in 2000, um, I'd, I'd actually had given up reading comics before I went off to college, so I hadn't read any comics, alternative or otherwise, for a few years. And it, I went into a shop, and it was, it was a the newest eight ball and the newest acne novelty, which kind of re-sparked my interest. Um, so Chris Ware is another big influence. Um, I've always liked Julie Doucet's comics a lot. Mm -hmm. If um, only she'd keep doing comics again. Yeah, I'll, I'll take what I can get. <laughs> I wish I wish she'd do comics again, but I don't think it's going to happen anytime no. soon. Um, but then it's kind of nice because it's, it's kind of easy to collect all of her comics. Yeah, in, um, in one quick swoop. Yeah, I like I like Chester Brown's work a lot. Um, and uh, another big thing was when when I came to Chicago and discovered the store Quimby's, which has a lot of um, mini comics and self-published zine type comics. Um, so like like even discovering like Paul's work and Anders' work. Um, like just that was like a huge revelation, um, just in terms of the scope of what people were doing, not just in content but also in format. So in the trend in moving to Chicago and getting back into comics, did you like kind of seek out to kind of find other like-minded creators by like seeing these these minis that were blowing your mind at Quimby's? Um, I never. I guess I never really specifically sought anyone out. It was just kind of. I kind of just uh, maybe got swept up in it, and then once I started doing comics, then I started meeting people, um, and it just kind of happened. Um, I think uh, you, you now clumsy came out. That was what two, three years ago. I can't um, quite remember when. Five, five years ago. Five now. years ago. Okay, well, two thousand two, second edition. I have. well, I guess I I guess or yeah, four years. ago. So for for someone who like wasn't really into comics anymore, but 
got back into it. He sure got swept up in um, getting published and stuff pretty quick. Um, it's pretty impressive, like, how did that happen for you, like, getting connected with Top Shelf? Um, well, I mean, uh, well, on the one hand, it's it's also a little misleading to say that that I wasn't, um, because Clumsy is, like, my first actual, like, quote-unquote comics. Um, but at the same time, like, I have years and years where I was filling these sketchbooks, and if you look through them, you can see they're very, like, cartoony, and they're very, like, much influenced. Like, I retained all these influences from the comics I was reading up through high school. So it was kind of like all that work was a lot of practice for what I was ended up doing, and it was just kind of like a lot of things coming together at once. Um, with Top Shelf, um, it was just a question of, like, uh, well, initially I sent, I sent Clumsy out, and um, everyone rejected it. So I self-published, and... Then it was just selling well enough. Um, then, in Top Shelf had started. They they distribute for for um, people like they've distributed some of the Zurich winners and um, some other like self published comics. So they they were distributing for me, and it was just selling well enough where they decided that they would publish it after all. Okay. Um... And then you, you're still maintaining that kind of that good relationship with Top Shelf. Yeah, yeah, and I've I've still got like um my my newest book just came out from them, and um I've actually got um, another book coming out this summer with them. I like a new collection of gag comics. Oh, nice! Which is actually an expanded version of my my I'm going to be small collection. The I was going to ask you about that. I was going to say, I want to know where I can get a copy. Because um, I love the gag stuff. So, well, it, yeah, it was never distributed through shops, so I've only sold it at conventions and on the website, um, on the Holy Consumption, which is actually no longer selling stuff now. Um, so um, you, can, you can still get a copy from me at a convention. Um, I've got a few left. Um, once those are gone, then they'll be gone. And but you know, the the new version, like this version, is 96 pages, the, the self-published mini comic. And then the new version is going to be 384 pages with lots of new stuff. So wow, um, you're almost better off just waiting for that. Maybe <laughs> that's a Although big book. A lot of it's different. The stuff that is appearing from the old version, but. And when do you expect that to be coming out? Um, hopefully uh, in July for for San Diego Comic Con. Oh, okay. Yeah, publishers like to release stuff for, right around the convention so that um, kind of get that can get the convention sales and the hype. And it's all about the hype, it's, eh? It's it's, it's uh, hype's important. Do, do you find going to San Diego like now? It's turned into kind of like a Hollywood machine there. Yeah, um, that part's kind of. That part's kind of annoying. Like, actually, like, another thing that's kind of turned me off to Hollywood is, like, I was, I was, you know, signing books at Comic-Con last year, and this woman comes up, and she's like, she was asking about who she should talk to for, um, for movie rights and stuff. And I was, I was telling her that she would need to talk to Chris Steros, the, the publisher for Top Shelf, and, um, you know, and he wasn't around or something, and she, like, she got, like, this really bad attitude, and, like, it was really weird. To the Hollywood Coke. Yeah, it was just, like, she was very upset that um, I wasn't being more helpful. I don't know what she expected. <laughs> now, Ape was just last weekend, and um, do you see there's a difference between um, the amount of attention that you would get compared between Ape and San Diego, like San Diego, are you just like one part of a big machine? Yeah, I mean it's it's easy to get lost in the shuffle in San Diego. There's just so much there and so much going on. Um, where and the the energy at Ape is is much different. It's much, I mean, well, it's I mean obviously much less mainstream, but I think like it's also much less about the business side. Mm -hmm. Whereas like Comic Con, it's very much about 
making like publishers expecting to sell stuff or you know people like networking for business or you know like the whole Hollywood thing or you know um, trying to promote new product and it's very much about like the business of it and Ape is has this energy about it it's much more about the work and it's much more about seeing what people are doing and um, finding new things and I had a bunch of friends that were just down at Ape, and they 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 went there for more like the uh, kind of the networking experience than yeah. selling stuff. It's you know check out all the cool stuff I found type yeah. thing. Yeah, well, it's and it's much easier to to meet people at a convention at like Ape. Um, Comic Con is also just very like exhausting. I mean, just like getting from the front door to your booth is <laughs> like takes like half an hour and. Like you're all sweaty. You have to get past five Klingons, and if if anyone can find your booth, yeah, yeah. And then if, and then it's like it's like you're you're sitting there looking at the map, and like there's someone you want to see, and you're like, wait, where's their booth? Oh, that's that's too far. <laughs> that's like twenty feet. There's no way. It'll take me two hours to get over there. So I'm just going to uh, finish up here in a couple minutes. Colin has a question. Well, I was just curious. Uh, if you ever heard the uh, James, the infamous remark by James Kolchalkis that craft is the enemy? Um, I, I have heard that remark, and um, I, I think it's a little bit of an extremist view, and I, I wouldn't take it literally. Um, I think there's, there's a lot to be said for craft, um, but I think what I would take that to mean is is that uh, I think since so much that craft is the enemy is that content should be you know the priority like I think the ideas that you're trying to express should come first and um, no matter how good your craft is if if you don't have like something meaningful to say with your craft there's I mean there's really no point because there's a you know a million people out there who have great craft so um so over the next while we have what do we have to look forward for Jeffrey Brown production we have stuff in Mome um and the humor book you have coming out anything Uh, else we can be looking forward to yeah um lots of stuff uh, like the the main project I've been working on right now, I'm actually working on a, a cat book Aww. about my cat uh, that I had growing up, and it's kind of uh, just one of those gratuitous cute cat books um, where the the cat is just doing cute things like running around, lying there, um, going to the litter, <laughs> just, just um, the cute pooping. Yeah, yeah, it's not and, uh, not usually covered in gar and Garfield or anything. Yeah. yeah, there's also there's also some hairballs involved, but it's all done very in a very cute way. <laughs> um, so that's the the one book I'm just finishing up. Um, I'm also been working actually for the past year. I've been working in this collection of, of autobiographical short stories, um, which are not all about relationships. No. Oh. I will curious. be around a 300-some-page collection, and I'm about halfway done with that. I'm, I'm just a little curious. Uh, have you ever been tempted to do something uh, historical? Because I find many autobiographical cartoonists also have an interest in history. Yeah, I, you know, I've been, it's something I've been thinking about. Um, like uh, Chester Brown, of course, did Louis Real, which is um, an incredible book. And now James Sturm... Um, has been kind of putting together this line of comics where um, it's cartoonists writing about historical figures. Really? Um, like John Porcelino's doing one. I think James Sturm is writing one maybe that Nick Bertozzi is drawing. Mm-hmm. I, forget, I forget who else is involved. Um, so that's, that's kind of interesting. Um, I don't have anything specific that I'd like to do I'd like to do something uh, about the Civil War, which is um, something Dan Zetwak, I don't know if you know his comics, he did a, a book 
little comic called Ironclad. That was sounds cool. familiar. Yes, it does sound familiar. Um, but I don't. Um, something little that would be down the road. Um, Collins, our Vancouver fanaticist of uh, war. Hey, war and battle. Hey, I haven't started one yet. No, not yet. Sometimes on the bus he does. Hey. So, any anything else we should know about, or is that pretty much um, sums it up? Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. Um, I. Uh, oh, Kate. And okay, well, we're gonna finish up. Um, I guess we have uh, now the other albums I have is the Nico Case Fox Confessor brings the flood and Destroyer from the bookstore. Huh? The one from the bookstore? I have no idea. Colin has something. The the one from Pulp Fiction who wants to marry. Oh, yeah. I I told the girl that works at a bookstore (laughs) on our way here, we're doing interviews with you, and she's like, Is he single? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I am not single. But, um... If you're ever in town... (laughs) Feel feel free to dream. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Um, Sorry. yeah, that, I was I was not even going to mention that one. So that was, oh. We'll blame that all on Colin. Mm. So yeah, the Destroyer, uh, Ruby's in Fox, Confessor Brings Flood. Any track off either of those albums? Um, yeah, how about? Oh wait, maybe this is cheesy though. Yeah, That's... how about um, um, to fit in with the, the themes off of Destroyer's Ruby's um, Painter in My Pocket or Painter in Your Pocket? Painter in Your Pocket. Did you get a chance to see him while he's on tour? Um, not this time. I saw him a year or two ago. He was um, touring with Frog Eyes. Uh, some but, some more Canadian goodness? Aren't, yeah. Isn't Frog Eyes Canadian? They're from Montreal, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, they're We're all about the Canadian content here. College Radio, you know. So thank you very much, uh, Jeffrey, for taking the time out to meet with yeah, us. thanks for having me. Thank um, you. It was a pleasure. Once, As I said in email, I'm, I'm a big fan of your stuff, so I'll be picking up whatever it is. You'll be pumping out, so 400-page yeah. gag book. I'm all over it. <laughs> There's also um, one, one other thing that just um, came out this week. Um, uh, is uh, the, I did a music video. Too. Oh, I forgot about that. The Death Cab for Cutie video. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I got a couple seconds. How did that work out? Um, like That worked out great. I, I wish I got royalties for, for all the DVDs that they're going to sell, but... Um, if nothing else, it was it was a really fun project. What what is I've it I've never exactly? done animation before, so now it, it's a music video that that it's like it's like reading one of your comics, only it's a music video. Wow! Much. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, did you do the actual animation in that too, or is it no. your drawings and then someone did the right right? Yeah, I just did all the drawings for it and kind of wrote the story, timed it all out, and kind of directed all that. And um, there's a girl in California that. The, the actual animating. Well, I wish you got uh, royalties from it, also. Well, I, I did get paid, and um, it, it has been uh, good exposure. So. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it's like I, I saw it right on the website and stuff. So yeah, but um, Death Cab. you can get it on iTunes, and now the DVD's out and has all kinds of extras. There's there's some other really good videos on it too, like um, Lance Bang's video is really funny. And who knows? Maybe they'll be talking about you on the OC next. I'm hoping they did. <laughs> they did mention Craig Thompson's blankets one episode. Oh, and uh, so I'm just, I'm just waiting. You're next. I feel like I'm so close. Well, uh-huh. your books are pretty big. I don't know if they're as big as blankets. Maybe you just gotta do like the was it 700 pages blankets? Is 600 pages? Yeah. Well, maybe they. I could just repackage like several of my books and then. The girl trilogy, the girlfriend yeah. trilogy. There we go. Yeah, put them all together. Okay. Sure. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Jeffrey. Yeah. And good. and um, yes, um, we'll have this available online soon to download and stuff. So if you want to okay, check great. it out. And uh, yeah, I'll send you an email when it's all up and stuff. All right. Thanks. Thanks. Bye bye. Right. That was Jeffrey Brown, CITR 101.9 FM. Um, we're just ending the show here. It's so hot in the studio. Colin and I are both sweating. They need like air conditioning in here. Uh, next week we'll be doing a review Quiet show of new stuff. Um, and the week after that we're going to be having Rick Geary as our guest. Colin is hyped. I'm hyped. 
it's good stuff. So that was pretty good. I, I'm a big fan of Jeffrey Brown's stuff. Check it out. He's in the new Moam Anthology. I'm going to be talking lots about Moam next week because it's one of my favorite things right now. There's some great new stuff in it. Three books so far. Yes, Colin raised the number three. Um, so here it is. Destroyers, Rubies. Uh, the track is... What was the track? Painter in Your Pocket. CITR 101.9 FM in Vancouver. Oh, yeah, and there's a comic convention on the 30th and comic jam on the 22nd at Jolly Alderman. And I'm reminded of the time that I was blinded by the sun It was a welcome change from the sight of you hanging like a willow off the arm of yet another visionary prophetess East Van Pump I didn't stand. 